Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the Devil's State of Mind Podcast. I recently became a brand ambassador for them. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. They out a 0 to 10 score on each ticket to know if you're getting a good or bad deal. Green means good and red means bad. Plus, my listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase with my promo code Devil State of Mind. Again, my promo code is Devil State of Mind. Click the link in our social medias on our link tree to download the app and remember to use our promo code devil state of mind click the link in my profile slash description of anything that i have i'll have it on all of my links and once again shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing app of the devil state of mind podcast and what is going on, Devils fans? It is, it is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villapiano. And welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well as Sports Wire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode, and as always, thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. You already know from the bottom of my heart that I greatly appreciate everybody's support. It means the world to me. This podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored, as always, by our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. With the Stanley Cup Finals just days away between the Panthers and the Golden Knights, and also the NBA Finals, also... Going to South Florida as we have the Denver Nuggets against the Miami Heat. Baseball, as usual, is 
well underway. We got a spring football league going on. And with all of that and much more going on, you already know that DraftKings Sportsbook is your number one place to get in on all the huge cash prizes. So if you want to get in on this action, go to DraftKings right now, sign up, use our promo code THPN, and as always, tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you. And as always, a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors over at DraftKings Sportsbook for being the official sports betting partner of the Hockey Podcast Network. And as always, guys, please bet responsibly. And also, another shout out to our other sponsors at Raycon. And Devils fans, God be honest with me, if you want the best quality earbuds and headphones at half the price of the other major brands, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 15% off your purchase. Again, buyraycon.com slash THPN. And again, shout out to Raycon for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Devil State of Mind Podcast. And finally, and this is the first time I get to do this, a shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing partner of the of the Devil State of Mind podcast. And when you use my promo code Devil State of Mind, you get $20 off your first purchase. So make sure when you use SeatGeek, which is a phenomenal ticketing app, make sure you use my promo code Devil State of Mind to get $20 off your first purchase. So shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing partner of the Devil State of Mind podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest joining us here on this edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast. A lot of you already know who this man is, and I'll be the first one to tell you that this guy is an absolute rock star. He has really worked his way up and grinded, and he has been not only getting the opportunity to really be inside the Devil's locker room and obviously get a lot of really awesome content, but he also... He's a pretty darn good broadcaster in his own right. We are very excited to welcome back on the host of the Locked On Devils podcast, Mr. Trey Matthews. Trey, welcome to the Devil State of Mind podcast. Welcome back. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Great, Neil. It's been a while since I've been on your show. It's been a while since you and I have talked face-to-face. Obviously, we've been talking throughout the course of the regular season. Obviously, we have that group chat with uh, fellow Devils personalities. It's been a great year for the Devils. Um, I know we didn't go as far in the playoffs. I'm sure we would have liked, but come on. we The, the Devils made it past the first round. They beat their Hudson River uh, rivals, the New York Rangers, and Jack Hughes had a breakout year. Same with Nico Heischer. A lot of key pieces stepped up at the right possible time. For the first time in a good while, the Devils were buyers at the trade deadline. And now, for the first time in a long time, I can actually be optimistic during the offseason and something can uh, actually come into fruition, if that makes sense. And, and it's going to be a little weird because usually I like to do something called silly season on my on my yes. show. Which I talk about trade discussions, free agency, but the Devils are really focused on two key guys who are going to eat up a good chunk of their uh, their finance. And obviously that's Timo Meyer and also Jesper Bratt. So silly season might be a little different, but. I'm not going to complain because the Devils are now going to be trying to build for something even bigger. They they had their eyes set on the Stanley Cup final, hopefully. 
I think uh, you might want to change it to realistic season because considering the fact that both, you know, you look at Jesper Brett and Timo Meyer, I mean, they're two very realistic, you know, guys that we obviously have to try to get signed down. And we're going to talk about them a little bit later on in this episode because the main bulk of this episode is going to be discussing uh, the Devils unrestricted and restricted free agents. And Trey and, I, Trey and I are going to give our thoughts as to whether or not we feel that we want to keep this player or let them walk, or even maybe try to trade them to get some form of an asset. But the first bit of news is something that came down today. You guys are listening to this on Thursday, June 1st. But on Tuesday morning, afternoon-ish, we got word that Devils associate coach, well, now former associate coach, Andrew Burnett, is leaving the Garden State after one season to become the next head coach of the Nashville Predators as John Hines, former New Jersey Devils head coach, has been fired with one year left on his contract. He's already apparently a candidate potentially for the head coaching spot with the New York Rangers, which I got to tell you would be kind of, it pretty much be one of the funniest things I would ever see if that ended up being the case. I would give a lot of sympathy. Well, maybe not, but you know, whatever. If, I don't um, see it happening. I don't see it happening. No. I don't even know why he's considered a candidate. I, I don't really see where that's going with that. But nonetheless, Andrew Burnett leaves after just one year with the New Jersey Devils. He was hired as an associate coach last offseason after being surprisingly let go by the Florida Panthers uh, after a really impressive season. But considering where they are right now, four wins away from winning the Cup, I guess it's fair to say that maybe they made the right uh, decision. Uh, for Andrew Burnett, he leaves helping the Devils finish fourth in total goals this season overall in the regular season, a 21.9% power play succession rate, which was 13th in the NHL. But the, the where it really, really mattered most was in the playoffs, and it quite frankly was not there. And uh, I'm going to let Trey give his thoughts on that in just a second. And obviously the big question after that is who will be the guy that replaces um, Andrew Burnett in that role. A lot of people are speculating that it could be Sergey Breland, who was the Utica Comets um, power play and offensive coach when he was in Utica. Um, maybe they look outside the organization. Who knows? But Trey, overall, give me your thoughts on the news we got today about Andrew Burnett leaving New Jersey to now become the next head coach of the Nashville Predators. You know, I think I'm, I, I want to be surprised, but I'm not because Tom Fitzgerald revealed a week or two ago during his exit interview that Lindy Ruff is going to be the head coach for the Devils come next year. And what I'm seeing is maybe a two to three year extension, because what I see for Lindy Ruff is that he's a for now scenario. And obviously the players responded really well to him. And a lot of people could say, well, don't you think Andrew Burnett had a say in it? And I was like, yeah, but at the same time, despite the Devils struggling the year before, you still saw some offensive production from a lot of players like Jesper Bratt. You saw the potential Nico Heischer. Jack Hughes was injured, but yet he was still able to be over a point-per-game player. Offense was never the issue for the Devils. It was a matter of getting decent goaltending and also if their, if their um, defense could step up a little bit. And also Dougie Hamilton was out for an extended period of time the year before. So that's something you definitely have to consider. So Andrew Burnett definitely did play a big factor. And I think – I can't speak for Andrew Burnett, but – I think what he thought of was like, here's a team that's ready to possibly take their organization to the next level. They're going to be holding Lindy Ruff to a shorter leash. Obviously, first two games a year, we were hearing the fans fire Lindy, booing him any chance they got. Right. Any time Adam Hamway, the 
PA announcer would announce Lindy Ruff over the loudspeaker. Right. Um, I don't know if you were present for any of those games, but oh, I was there for the home opener. Trust me, I heard the fire Lindy chants loud and clear. Okay, there we go. So it, it's just like, um, but the Devils took off. They soared and they exceeded expectations. And for Andrew Burnett, he was in charge of the power play. But at the end of the day, you just said that they were the 13th ranked team in the in the entire NHL for power play. I think that mostly had to do with Timo Meyer because. Like a few weeks, um, a few weeks prior to the end of the season, the Devils were ranked 18th, and this was around mm-hmm. the time the Devils were trying to incorporate Timo, Timo Meyer into their lineup. And I think Timo Meyer definitely had a factor in that. So the power play was mid at best. But here's the thing, Sergey Breland, like you mentioned, I think he is definitely the the favorite to land the the associate uh, head coach position, just because obviously he saw some success in Utica. Not only that, Ben Burnell confirmed, uh, who's a writer for the Utica Comets, he confirmed right. that Breland also contributed on the on the power play in terms of coaching for the Utica Comets. And Sergey Breland, he's a obviously as a player for a Devils organization, we know what he was able to do. He obviously was a part of the Stanley Cup uh, runs, uh, a part of the of, of the Devils franchise. So mm-hmm. I think Sergey Breland will definitely be the ideal candidate to replace. Um, to, to replace uh, Andrew Burnett. And like I said, I think Andrew Burnett, he saw his eyes set on a team that was ready to take their organization to the next level. Maybe they just needed a new head coach. But at the end of the day, Lindy Ruff, he did really well. He's a finalist for the Jack Adams Trophy. And now it's just like, I think Andrew Burnett was like, I want my own team. I don't want to wait another mm-hmm. few years. And, you know, I was, like I said, I was a little stunned because I was really expecting for Andrew Burnett to see it through because I was like, once Lindy Ruff leaves, whenever he wants to, then I, I said maybe Andrew Burnett will be the next one in line and ready to take over that head coaching position because we saw what he was able to do for the Florida Panthers in the midst of that Joe Quinville controversy that involved the right. Chicago Blackhawks. And what happened? The uh, Florida Panthers, unfortunately, uh, they didn't do they didn't do anything in, in the scandal involving the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they're still involved by association because obviously – Joe Quinville, who was the head coach for the Chicago Blackhawks at the time, um, was now their head coach. So mm-hmm. now they had lost their head coach. They were they had the best record in the NHL at the time. And now they basically have to rely on Andrew Burnett. And he was able to uh, weather the storm. He was able to lead them to President's Trophy winners. And obviously the Florida Panthers made the playoffs. And, they, they, and obviously they didn't really go all that deep. And now they're going to the Stanley cup final or they were waiting for either Vegas or Dallas. And now it's going to be Vegas, but digressing a little bit. I think Andrew Burnett, um, he has proven what he is capable of doing. He was, he too was a finalist for the Jack Adams trophy uh, after he Mm -hmm. was able to once again uh, in the midst of controversy was able to just weather the storm a little bit and lead uh, the Florida Panthers to that great record last year. And the power play did improve for the Devils, but it was decent at best. Really got better when Timo Meyer was added to it. But given what Sergey Breland has done in Utica in terms of being a coach and also in charge of the power play, I think the Devils are in good hands. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it came as a little bit of a shock this, you know, when we, we found the news and obviously we saw that Andrew Burnett was leaving because there was no indication that he was considered uh, a candidate for Nashville, uh, apparently John Hines was surprised 
that he was let go because, again, there was no indication that he was going to be let go. Uh, John Hines did have one year left on his contract, but I guess the uh, Predators felt that he needed to go another way. And look, I mean, the plan for Andrew Burnett kind of uh, took a different direction because when he was brought in last offseason, he was brought in as an associate coach, which for a lot of us is translation for head coach in waiting. That was something that uh, uh, Jersey Joe in particular pointed out to me, um, that basically it was just a matter of time before Andrew Burnett would take over. And when you saw how the season started, 0-2, things did not look good, you kind of assumed that that was pretty much going to happen. And then it didn't. And then the Devils had the unbelievable year that they did. And, you know, Tom Fitzgerald said at his end of the season presser that Lindy Ruff would return. So for Burnett, he kind of looks at it and says, well, there may just not be an opportunity here for me to make that next step to become a head coach. I got to look somewhere else. And he saw some opportunities. I know that Columbus reached out to him. I think the Rangers also admitted some interest. But I guess for Nashville with Barry Trotz now, the new president of the team and everything like that, also slash GM, um, I guess maybe he felt that it was uh, more of a, a better spot for him. So obviously uh, it's something that, you know, it's not the end of the world. I wouldn't necessarily say that we have to panic here. I think you do have to give credit to Andrew Burnett for what he did. But I also think Lindy Ruff in general was kind of the main factor in all this, kind of changing his system to make it better for the team. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was Sergey Breland because really – we're not really losing a coach because the only thing we're losing is an associate coach. We still have all of our assistants, including Sergey Breland, who at times was only up in the uh, in the press box, kind of watching from there, kind of coaching from from up above. So yeah, it obviously uh, you know you're happy for Andrew Burnett. He's not in the Eastern Conference, so that really doesn't affect us. So we only see him like once or twice a season, and so we wish him nothing but the best uh, moving forward. And we thank him for the one year that he was. Uh, in New Jersey. We'll see how much of an effect Burnett leaving has on this team, either positively, negatively, I, hopefully, hopefully I positive. Think you would have, I think you would have to see how the tenure for Lindy Ruff, how the rest of the way kind of goes, because I always say Lindy Ruff is a for now situation. Is he going to mm -hmm. be here for 10 or so years? Probably not Probably because not. I don't know how much longer because he is, he is getting up there in age a little bit. So it's right. just, my thing is like, how much longer does Lindy want to go? Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. And with the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs just about to begin, there are so many different money lines or puck lines and bets that you can make. One that I'm really banking on is for the Seattle Kraken to move on to the conference finals after the second round matchup against the Dallas Stars. They have a lot of momentum, and I think it really is a good bet to make for them to win the series. How many games they win in is up to you. But that's just an example of the many different types of bets you can make during these hockey playoffs. And if you want to get in on the action, here's what you do. You download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and sign up with promo code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. 
or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas City, plus 21 in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for other offer details. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Correct. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think we have to keep in mind, we have to, first of all, the contract, the new contract that Lindy Ruff uh, is getting, we don't know what the term is or anything like that. We just have to wait and see what happens with that. Uh, I still think Kevin Deneen is going to be a prime candidate to potentially become the Devils next head coach considering what he's done in Utica, but that's going to be down the road. We'll see what happens once uh, Liddy's new contract uh, gets announced. But yeah, Andrew Burnett is uh, leaving the Devils after one year being an associate coach to become the next head coach of the Nashville Predators. And so a little bit of change in the coaching staff going into next year, but I think it'll pretty much be the same uh, with the subtraction of Andrew Burnett. So, with that now out of the way, we are now into the, the main topic of our episode here today with my good friend Trey Matthews, again, the host of Locked On Devils. And if you haven't already, make sure you go check out that podcast as well. Uh, Trey does a great job, not only with the audio podcast, but also video as well. Go go like and subscribe to him on YouTube. I uh, would really appreciate that. Um, but we are going to be discussing the Devils' unrestricted and restricted free agents. And the Devils have a decent amount. And they also will have just a little over $30 million in cap space going into this offseason. I think $32 or $33 million in cap space to start. So there's a lot of money, a lot of areas that the Devils can use all this money to you know, spread the wealth. And the Devils, I'm sure, will be trying to keep a good amount of these guys, maybe not all, most likely not all of them. Um, but I am curious, Trey, for both of us to see who we agree, disagree, you know, that might be able to come back. We think might, you know, deserve to come back um, to play for the devils moving forward. So we'll start with the unrestricted free agents. Cause that's a little bit, a little bit easier um, considering that they're just, you know, guys that we could just sign another deal. We don't have to worry about any restrictions or anything like that. And we'll start with Tomas Tatar, who two years ago signed that two-year uh, contract, I can already tell by Trey's face he's not he's not really feeling this first guy. But you know, he was it, a guy that the, that the Devils. Yep, go ahead, Trey. It depends on the circumstance. That's my thing. Fair enough. Uh, Tatar is coming off a pretty good season. I'm uh, certainly the best of the two years that he's been in New Jersey. Twenty goals, twenty-eight assists for forty-eight points. Really kind of found uh, some success once he was playing with Nico Kisher on that top line. So that was kind of something um, that really kind of uh, caught your eye. But I-, I think honestly, Trey, if I'm if you know the way that I look at it and looking at our prospect pool and also maybe potential options in free agency who are, you know, from other teams. I I think I just let them walk. Honestly, that's the way that I look at it. Like I said, it depends on the circumstance because obviously he's not a top priority. It's the, the other priorities are going to be Timo Meyer, Jesper Bratt, Eric Halla, maybe even Sharon Govich just because he's younger. Mm -hmm. But, um, the thing for Tomas Tatar is that he actually did lead the team in plus minus. Um, so that's something to factor in. But not to take away from his incredible season, but obviously he saw a lot of success when he was paired alongside Nico Heischer. 
Now we saw it in the playoffs in which he didn't really do much. You sometimes nope. forgot he was out there. <laughs> so that's my, that's my thing is like, it depends on the circumstance. If there's enough money left over to re-sign him to a one or two year extension, go ahead. Nice. But here's something else you could factor in, Neil. You just talked about prospects. How ready do you think Alexander Holtz is going to be to rejoin the Devils as a full-time starter? Because yeah. the Devils have a lot in the pipeline. Right. But the thing is, Alexander Holtz, over the summer, I hope he's getting a skating coach. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with Alexander Holtz is that it doesn't seem like he could keep up with the fast pace of the Devils. That's what he right. struggles in. And But if he's able to get a skating coach, I think he'll be better. But there's a reason why every time he goes down to Utica – he puts up big numbers. But when he right. comes up to the NHL, deer in headlights, it looks like he's playing with like barbells on his skates. Yeah. Yeah, I think that definitely is a big question mark going into next year's training camp. How ready is Alexander Holtz going to be to take a top uh, wing role on this team, considering how up and down things were mostly down uh, here in his first like really full, you know, year-ish uh, with the team. And you look at a guy like Tomas Tatar, who's a veteran who obviously has been with the team the last two years. And, you know, yeah, he did have a very strong regular season, but certainly was a ghost in many games uh, during the playoffs. And I think he's a guy that's probably going to be towards the end of the priority list, as you just mentioned. So, yeah, I think we're both kind of in somewhat agreement. Like if he's if he's there and he's cheap and we need, need to – add some familiar pieces, then okay. If not, you know, there's other options out there. The next guy that I'm really curious to see your, to hear your opinion on is Miles Wood. Now, Miles Wood obviously is not the same player that he once was. Uh, the physicality isn't there as much. Uh, he might still be dealing with problems due to that hip injury he suffered the season before. Uh, and there were times this year where he really just was a non-factor for for games on end. I mean, it felt like at times we were watching another version of Pavel Zaka where just nothing was generating. He finished with 13 goals, 14 assists for 27 points, got a couple of points and goals in the playoffs, um, but really did not make as enough of a factor as I think everybody wanted. And I think honestly, despite him being, you know, still having a lot of speed and everything, and obviously he does bring uh, physicality, something the Devils do lack. I, I just think that it might be time to let him go and let him seek a, a different team because I think that there might be other options out there that might be better. And, and who knows what Miles Wood is asking for at this point in terms of a contract? Well, there's a reason why he didn't walk uh, last offseason or why the Devils didn't get rid because I think he was a restricted free agent last offseason. Restricted off-season. free agent, correct. Yeah, there's a reason why the Devils didn't deal him away is because they couldn't get anything for him. So and they signed him to what a one-year extension i I think Mm -hmm. he was originally asking for like a three-year extension but the devils were telling him no and it was like miles wood was at an was at a very vulnerable position because he's coming off of a major hip surgery he only suited up in like three or four games and the devils are like look you we can't trade you anywhere you're obviously a restricted free agent you want three years we're going to give you one year go out and show it thing for Miles Wood is like, I don't care about the goal scoring. I care more about the physicality. I care more about him asserting himself, but I got to give him credit. The first half of the year, we saw the BMW line just uh, be that huge X factor for the Devils. That's one of the reasons why they were able to win 13 straight games. But at the same time, I wonder how much was that contributed to Miles Wood? That's something I'm going to have to look back on because 
when Nathan Basham went out with injury, the Devils missed his impact. Christy mm-hmm. Flannery of the Hockey News, she wrote a couple couple articles about that matter. And I had to give credit where credit was due. Christy was absolutely right. Even though Nathan Bastian isn't like the MVP of the team, he plays a huge X factor in terms of depth. And then mm-hmm. for uh, and then for McLeod, he's getting the face-offs. He's doing the dirty work. And when he's able to score, that's a big momentum booster for the Devils. But for Miles Wood, there were too many stretches, especially in the second half of the year, in which he's not scoring or he's not being physical. And mm-hmm. we saw in the first series against the Rangers, he had an offensive end, what, penalty? He, yeah, he had an offensive right. end penalty. And as a result, he had to be a healthy scratch. And yeah. uh, I, I had the chance to speak with Miles Wood. And, you know, he was disgusted with himself after, after being a healthy scratch because that was the first time all season in which Miles Wood was a healthy scratch. He's been scratched before, but that was due to injury. He was right. disgusted with himself. But at the, at the same time, it's just like I think of someone maybe like Curtis Lazar, who can probably bring that physicality a little better than Wood. And it would be hard for to let Wood go just because he's been with the team for a long time, similar to um, someone like Mackenzie Blackwood or Damon Severson. They've mm-hmm. been there since like 2015. It would be sad right. to see Miles Wood go. I'm not going to lie. But at the end of the day, he was just too inconsistent. And he did step up his game in the second round against the Carolina Hurricanes. I'll give credit to him in that regard. But once again, it's just like, there's no consistency, whether it's scoring or being physical. You're a bomb six player and you getting like those offensive end uh, penalties. That's a big no-no. So for right. Miles Wood, it might be time to move on and just give that spot to Curtis Lazar. Because I th- what I saw from Curtis Lazar during the playoffs, he's playing good minutes on the penalty kill. He's asserting himself. He He's not afraid to put his body around. And one of the things that Curtis Lazar described to me when I asked him how would you uh, describe your overall game he says he plays meat and potatoes type style of hockey I must say I I chuckled a little bit after he told me that but um, I think Curtis Lazar I think he deserves uh, I think he deserves a spot over Miles Wood if I'm being completely honest so maybe I'm just saying I would I wouldn't mind if Miles Wood stuck around but then again I don't know if it's the nostalgia kicking in or if maybe it's just me just trying to remember what Miles Wood is capable of, but might be time to move on from Wood. I think a lot of us were hoping that he would be able to get back to a level that he was at earlier in his career where he was that super speedy guy and, you know, throwing his body around like crazy. And I think injuries and inconsistency, I think, really slowed him down. And you look at Curtis Lazar, one thing to mention also, he has two years left on his contract at $1 million per year which in my opinion, considering what he brings, is an absolute steal. So he obviously is a guy that could fill in for Ma- in that Miles Wood role. And I think, uh, you know, again, nostalgia you know, aside, I think that when you look at it from the business standpoint and trying to build this team, it might be better to let Miles Wood walk. Now, again, kind of similar with Tatar, if we feel that we need to bring a guy or two back that's been here for a while that can that they feel that that can still help us then okay but I think overall I would lean more towards um, just letting him go and letting him kind of uh, take that next step in his hockey career so the next guy is a guy that 
I'm sure, Trey, you, you definitely um, want to bring back. And that is the man they call Hollywood, Mr. Eric Holla, who in his first year, you know, obviously after being traded from Boston in the deal for Pavel Zaka, he came in and had a pretty much, I would say, an up and down year. He got off to a really good start like a lot of guys did. And then he went through a long stretch where he was really struggling, you know, specifically playing on that wing for Jack Hughes or playing on that center role for Jack Hughes. And, uh, once he kind of got back to playing consistently on the third line again, he started to produce again. And you look in the first round against the Rangers, he was one of our top point getters. He really, really stepped up his game. He finished with 14 goals, 27 assists for 41 points. And he was very adamant at the end of the season at, you know, when they were cleaning out the lockers that he wants to be here. He told Tom Fitzgerald, yeah, and you were there, Trey. He said, I want to be here. This is my family. I don't want to go anywhere. And, Another reason I can understand where Hall is coming from, this dude has been moving around from team to team for years. I mean, this, you know, he's played for five plus teams in his in his career, has become somewhat of a journeyman. And I think he really not only want to, does he want to play with this team because of the the opportunity that it presents itself, but also the fact that he would like some stability, you know, in his life with his family. And so for me, honestly, with the way, how much success he has on the face-off dot and, you know, the kind of energy that he brings and, you know, that sneaky type of offense that he can bring at times, I definitely want to bring him back. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with two years at $3 million AAV. That's the, that, I feel like that's a fair contract for Hall. I think he's earned it. And he's a guy I definitely want to keep uh, moving forward. Yeah, so... In the words of Jack Hughes, I'm a big Eric Holla fan. And I must say, I was a little, like a lot of people, I was a little late to the party. So you mentioned him being on the same line as Jack Hughes. But I'm going to ask you a question, Neil, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know why he was put on the same line as Jack Hughes consistently, despite Holla not putting up the numbers himself? And quite honestly, I didn't know this my, myself until Christy brought, uh, brought it to light on my show. The only explanation I could come up with is based off the fact that Jack Hughes is not the world's greatest when it comes to faceoffs, and Eric Hall was. And at one point, I think Eric Hall was like top three in the league in terms of faceoff percentage behind Michael McLeod. We had two of the top three at one time, but that's kind of the best answer I could give to that. You're actually correct because Eric Hall does the faceoffs, he does the dirty work, and there, there's a reason why uh, Eric Hall is able to do uh some of that stuff because it, it takes the burden off of jack hughes's shoulders so mm-hmm. when jack hughes uh was going on that tremendous tear in late december early january when the devils were struggling a little bit who was on his line it was eric Halla. so james mm-hmm. nichols actually asked that question after a post game one time to lady ruff because this was when fabian zeller was still on the team and and amanda stein asked why was zetterlin a healthy scratch and then james nichols did a follow-up question and lindy ruff provide the explanation he was like because Eric Holla you look at face-offs you look at him working the corners you look at just doing the dirty work it takes the burden off of Jack Hughes's shoulders and yeah. that's why Jack Hughes said during his locker room clean out he said verbatimly I'm a big Eric Holla fan and we need to bring him back so I I, I think Eric Holla has done a I apologize. I had to, I just had to say something real fast. No, but, you're good. But anyway, um, Eric Halla just doing the dirty work just takes the burden off of Jack Hughes' shoulders. And yeah, uh, he's got all Vin Diesel with us saying like, this is his faith. This is his family. He wants <laughs> to stick around. And the thing is, Eric Halla was somewhat emotional during his exit interview because 
I know people think of him as like a, a hothead or a cancer, whatever the case might be. And you said he's been a bit of a journeyman. Well, let, let me list off some teams that he has played with because in the past he's played with the Minnesota Wild, the mm-hmm. Vegas Golden Knights, the Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, Nashville Predators, Boston Bruins. What do those some of those teams have in common, a majority of them? I think they. I think some of them have gotten knocked out by Carolina in the playoffs. No, 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 um, no, 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 no. I'm totally lost. You know, you're, you're setting me up for something, so you might as well tell me. <laughs> They've all gone to the playoffs in the last few years. Oh, okay. So, yes, yes, the joke is when and, he was playing with the Devils. Well, the Knights went to the cup right. final if, 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 in, in, his, in the inaugural season, and Eric Hall was a part of that. Yeah, Vegas Gold Knights. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 the joke is when he was playing with the Predators, got knocked out by the Hurricanes. Bruins, knocked out by the Hurricanes. Obviously, with the Devils, knocked out by the Hurricanes. Yes, that's the joke, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Eric Halla has played with these teams because if you look, it's not like he's playing with a team like the Arizona Coyotes or the Montreal Canadiens or some of these bottom-tier teams in the league. He's actually playing on teams that go to the playoffs quite consistently. And I know the Minnesota Wild one is is a bit of a stretch just because right. you know, it's been a while since he's played with the Wild. But at the same time, they're still a playoff team. Mm-hmm. But it's because you want a player like Eric Halla on your team because he's capable of scoring. He can play defense a little bit. He can do face-offs. He could do just a little bit of everything, but he doesn't have to do it at a great magnitude in order to, um, in order to be successful. So I agree with you 100%. Eric Holland needs to be back on this roster come next year, re-sign him to a two to three year extension. And, um, and quite honestly, I'm going to make a bit of a hot take. I don't know what Europeans on, on it are, but I think Eric Holland deserves to be an alternate captain come next year. I don't think that's necessarily that much out of the question, considering that one of our alternate captains may not be on the team next year. Because that's another UFA that we'll discuss in just a moment. But I think Eric Halla has become a leader on this team. I think this team does need a little bit more veteran um, leadership, and I think Halla brings that. And I and I'm, you know, he really went through a lot of different ups and downs this year, a lot of criticism from me included. Um, and he fought through it. He fought through it, and he got rewarded and had himself really overall a really good year in New Jersey. And uh, he's a guy that is beloved by everybody, including the most important player on this team in yeah. Jack Hughes. And look at what Jack Hughes said last year about Lindy Ruff. He wanted him to stick around. He didn't want him to go. And uh, obviously, Lindy Ruff was able to uh, – to, uh, Back that up. And Eric Halla, you know, I think he wants to be, you know, he definitely wants to be here. Jack wants to be here. And I think that it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. I think it's a matter of when. And so I think Halla may end up becoming one of the higher, as you mentioned, one of the more top priorities going into the offseason in terms of getting guys signed and everything. And obviously for Halla, it's going to be easier because he won't be asking for too much money. And and I don't know about term or anything like that at this point in his career. But Halla sees what this team has the capability of doing long-term and he wants to be a part of it. So now let's shift to the back end because we have two defensemen and one goalie. The goalie is going to be very easy, but you know, we'll, we'll get to it in just a moment. But the big defenseman that everybody's talking about is of course, Damon Severson. Um, It's, you know, David Severson has always been for me a very curious case because one minute, He's scoring a spectacular goal, you know, like he did against the Rangers in overtime during the regular season. The next minute, he's shooting the puck into his own net. Um, 
you know, and sometimes he makes a really poor defensive play. Uh, sometimes he makes a play that basically wins us the game. Uh, I think overall in these playoffs, um, I thought he was very solid defensively, you know, considering how bad the defense overall was at times during the playoffs. But I think overall he had a really good playoffs. Um, over on the regular season, seven goals, 26 assists, 33 points. Um, prior to this season starting, at the end of last season, Damon Severson had said he wants to be here long-term. This was before we had this season that we just did. He wants to be here long-term. Now, the issue is, is that on the market, I have been hearing that it's possible he could get up to a six-year deal from somebody at a pretty, pretty reasonable, pretty uh, high-end AAV. Um, and it's tough because at times it feels like Severson is our best offensive defenseman, and it's 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 kind of it's still kind of a question mark for me though personally. I think it might be time. You know, again, another nostalgia guy. He's been here for a long time, but I think considering what we have coming up in the system. And things like that with a guy like Simone Nemetz potentially making the team next year. I, I think it might be time to let him go. But, I mean, if the Devils signed him to a long-term deal, to be honest with you, the, the longest I'll go is like four years. I mean, I, I don't want to go any further than that, but maybe I'm being too unreasonable. But for me, I, I think it might be better overall to let him, you know, test himself on the market and maybe find a, a bigger money deal um, that he may not get at, at another point in his career. Damon Searson took a bit of a backseat in terms of putting up the offensive numbers because obviously you have someone like Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Graves is capable of doing it at times. So Damon Searson took a bit of a back, uh, 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 took lo- uh, of a lesser role, but we saw his, his consistency during the playoffs when he was paired alongside Kevin Ball. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing is, is that the advanced analytics show it, that Damon Stevenson has actually stepped up his game and he's not as bad as people are portraying him to be. Yes, he could be a bit of a bonehead. I go back to that play against the Philadelphia Flyers. I was actually up in the press box in which he had a costly turnover. Flyers right. scored on the other end. That's the game-winning goal. And Lindy Ruff was not too pleased with them post-game. He said that uh, that's not even in 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 the Devils' playbook, uh, what Damon Stevenson <laughs> did. And as right. a result, the very next game, Severson was a healthy scratch. So my thing for Damon Severson is, like you said, I think the time has come to let him go because that money can be put to use somewhere else. And the thing is, is like, I think he would be demanding a little bit too much. Now, the thing is, maybe you could trade his rights away and and maybe get something out of it. But at the end of the day, um, I I just think Damon Severson, like do a sign and trade kind of thing. I don't know. But yeah, Damon Severson, he he admits he admits that this is going to be uncharted territory for him because this is the first time in his career that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. But mm-hmm. the problem I have with Damon Severson is that I'm not really seeing like long term success with him. I think right. it's time to be giving that position to Kevin Ball or uh, Shimon the Mets, Luke Hughes, in terms of just like getting those big minutes and right. getting that chance to just basically be an everyday kind of player. So right. like you said, there's a lot of players in that pipeline. And I think Damon Severson and, and another defenseman that we're going to get to, I, I think, momentarily, I think it's time for them to see opportunities elsewhere, not because they're bad players, but I think especially with the surgeons of Kevin Ball and Luke Hughes during the course of the playoffs, it might be time to go into a different direction. And, right. and this time I can safely say that the nostalgia is not going to be kicking in for me just because – 
there's room for Miles Wood at a cheap deal, but I just think Damon Severson, he's going to demand too much money. Uh, he'll be in, it's just going to be like a, a contract, like you said, might be four years. I don't think he'll be satisfied with a two year extension. So yeah. I, for me, I'm just not seeing a big investment in, in, in re-signing Damon Severson. And I think it could hurt the devils in terms of salary finance, because the devils have a lot of other players who are signed long-term and you got two other players that need long-term contracts. So my thing is like, what's the point of bringing back Damon Severson? And I think based on his exit interview in his heart to heart, Severson knows that it might be time to test the water somewhere else. Yeah. And obviously for, for some people, they'll, they'll be sad to see him go. There'll be other people who will be relieved to see him go. Just like we saw with Pavel Zaka when he got traded last off season. But you know, at the end of the day, you do have some guys who not only are very talented in their own right as young players, but also they're making a lot less money, you know, on their entry level contracts. And those are the type of contracts you try to use in situations when you're trying to keep other big name guys around and you have to pay a pretty penny. And Damon Severson may just not fall into um, the category of being here long term. And so, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But but I definitely uh, I think we're both in agreement that it's probably time to let him go. Another guy that I, I think it, it's probably best to let him go, considering, again, he may get more money in term on the open market. That is Ryan Graves, who was acquired two years ago via trade from uh, from Colorado. Um, the, the, the story goes that Graves was going to be left unprotected uh, during the expansion draft, the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. And uh, Colorado didn't want to give, didn't want to lose him for nothing. So they ended up dealing him to the Devils and Graves at times, honestly, you know, brought exactly what we needed a big body physical defenseman. He has that, you know, big time goal that tied it up against uh, Edmonton during our um, 13 game winning streak this year. And uh, obviously, you know, he didn't have the world's greatest playoffs. Um, you know, he struggled at times. He got hurt. Um, you know, definitely at times it was tough to see. He had eight goals, 18 assists for 26 points. And again, we're losing height and we're losing size, but I think considering what he might get on the open market, and again, the options that we have with a guy like Luke Hughes who's, and Kevin Ball and you know even Jonas Siegenthaler you know, being here, um, I think it might be better to just let him walk um, and go from there. Not saying that that trade didn't end up benefiting the Devils. It certainly did, and I think it worked out just fine. Um but I think considering the options we have and the money that we are going to spend on some other guys that we'll talk about in just a moment, might be better to let Gravy walk, which would suck because obviously you and I have become very good friends with uh, Ryan Graves' fan page and it would be tough to see him uh, have to cheer and uh, edit for another team, which would be a little unfortunate. Yeah, I love you, Alan, and all. And I haven't done my episode centered around Ryan Graves yet, but similar to Damon Severson, that money could be put to use somewhere else and you got Shimon Nemetz, Luke Hughes and also Kevin Ball in the pipeline and Ryan Graves led the Devils in defensive point shares and he was also second on the team in plus minus so my thing is like Ryan Graves would definitely be a bit of a a bit of a blow and I love what Ryan Graves brings to the team and like I said he's capable of having those offensive spurts but I think um, the Devils short and simple I, I just don't think they can afford to re-sign him to a lengthy deal. And I don't know how comfortable he's going to feel about signing maybe a one or two year extension. I think he knows 
the grass will be greener somewhere else. Yeah, and so, well, obviously, I think there's a more than 75% chance that Gravy is going to walk. I would be surprised if he came back, um, but crazier things have happened with that. So the last UFA, um, and this is a really easy one, is Jonathan Bernier, who, you know, Oops. after two years, exactly, um, exactly, uh, people forget that Jonathan Bernier exists on this team. Um he signed a two-year deal starting uh, not this past season, season before. Um, you know, he started the year. He, he, he got off to a pretty solid start. Then he got hurt in a game against Winnipeg where he imploded. Uh, ended up getting hip surgery and has not played an NHL regular season game or game in general since. He has practiced a bunch of times with the team, but he's never gotten to the point where he was healthy enough to play. Um, I mean, I'll be very simple that the Devils are going to let him go. And I would be surprised to be found another team. I think most likely he might retire at uh, at some point during this offseason. Uh, just another guy that the Devils tried to help fix the goaltending problem. And he was one of those seven guys that suited up for the team the season prior. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't see Bernier coming back at all after uh, this uh, unsuccessful two years in New Jersey. I think he's going to retire most likely. I'd I like you said. I forget. I forgot that he was on the team, and there was rumors saying that he was going to return to game action around American Thanksgiving. Never happened. Apparently, he got hurt once again during uh, training camp or the scrimmages, or right. It might be because he was playing preseason. That that's the thing. Right. Like he was slated to come back at some point, mm-hmm. but, and as the season progresses, that was one on their win streak and. Obviously, American Thanksgiving comes around and Bernier reveals that he had a setback. I'm just like, yeah. I think we've seen the last of Jonathan Bernier because I think Julie, what's her name? Julie Robinheimer, I think that's her yeah, name. Yeah, Julia Robinheimer, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She revealed on a Twitter space that there were rumors circulating that um, that Jonathan Bernier could return at around American Thanksgiving. I was like, okay, I'll mark my calendar for that. Never happened, happened. Uh, never saw him in a suit. I didn't see him at the exit interviews. Um, I, his equipment is still there. So I, I don't, I don't know what the case is for Jonathan yeah. Bernier, but um, yeah, done. Yeah. Like, like T-bone steak done. Yep. Pretty much. So, yeah. So that's all the UFAs. Um, so yeah, obviously it'll be interesting to see what, you know, in terms of Tom Fitzgerald, what he feels is a priority with the UFAs, who he feels uh, deserves to come back and everything like that. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. So, Devils fans, let's face it. With coffee starting at $5, yes, even without any customizations, and our bank accounts somehow always depleting, we are officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate or dupe is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium auto at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. And there are three features with the Raycon wireless earbuds that I enjoy the most. Noise canceling, they are waterproof, and... They also don't come out of your ears very easily. They stick onto them very, very well. And, you know, you could shake your head and everything and they stay in very firm. 
Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and leg for quality, sound, and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other more big-name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you could pay as low as $18 at checkout. Yes, $18. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They also have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And here are a list of some of the other major features. Three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear quality, water and sweat resistant, and eight hours of playtime in everyday earbuds. And if you want to get yourself a pair or a couple, here's what you do. You go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Now we're at the point that everybody wants to talk about, and that is our restricted free agents. And we got a good amount. We have a good amount of restricted free agents, guys that... We certainly want to keep long-term and guys that are kind of on the you know fringes of maybe sticking around, maybe not. Uh, the first guy, Trey, we got we to get him out of the way. The first guy and probably the most important signing of this offseason is Jesper Bratt. Um, there's no beating around the butt, at least for me personally. Um, Trey may not agree with that, but that's understandable. Jesper Bratt, what an interesting uh, last almost 12 months, right? So just before he went to arbitration, the Devils were able to sign him to a one-year deal uh, to avoid having to go to arbitration as they couldn't come to an agreement on a long-term deal. Uh, they tried to get a deal done at the midway point of the season. Didn't happen. And then uh, they shut down talks once the playoffs started uh, because they wanted it to be a focus. Jesper Bratt, in his uh, end-of-the-season Presser was pretty certain that it's gonna that a deal's gonna happen. That there's no doubt in his mind that he's gonna be here long term. And the question continues to be, what the hell is he worth? What the hell is this deal gonna look like? Because at one minute when you saw the way he started the year, looked like he was worth eight, eight and a half, nine million dollars. And then at one then another point during the season, it looked like he was worth only five and a half to six and was just up and down, up and down. Nobody could figure it out. He had a tremendous year, a career year, 32 goals, 41 assists, 73 points, and did squat in the playoffs. There's no other way to put it. Did not show up. Had one goal the entire postseason, and that was an empty net goal in Game 7 against the Rangers. So talk about meaningless. Other than that, did not generate enough. Regardless of how many chances he had, regardless of what the analytics say, he did not put the biscuit in the basket enough that he could help the team win. And so you wonder how much of a factor that plays into the negotiations. Um, I'm going to be honest and say that there are times where I don't want him here long term. And there are times that I do. Um, depending on the Alex DeBrinkett situation in Ottawa, which we still don't know what the deal is with that. 
and maybe some other opportunities. Who knows? I think most likely, and in my opinion, I would keep Jesper Bratt. I'm going to go with an eight-year, $7.5 million AAV. Um, I, you know, He deserves an uptick in money, uh, and certainly I think he needs to be here long-term, but he's got to show it. And I and I, I don't think the Devils or Brett want to go through another one year prove it deal. And so it's it's going to be tough. Um, but I I definitely feel confident that a deal is going to get done. So Jack Hughes was actually throwing some shade at Jesper Brett because there was and Timo, I believe as well, right? I'm sorry. I think he also threw it at Timo as well, right? He was kind of talking about both Not of them. Really. No, 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 no. More or less Brett. Okay. It was Brad because here's the circumstance. Uh, I believe James actually asked this question, um, like asking about the the pending free agents. So the examples that were given were Jesper Brad, Timo Meyer, and Eric Halla. So Jack responded by saying, "Like you got to get it done. You can't just be talking about like you want to remain here and and not resign or whatever the case might be." You, you, I'm just paraphrasing, but basically Jack was throwing some shade at a particular player. Now I'm no detective, but I'm just like. It can't be Eric Halla. Eric Halla is now an unrestricted free agent, and he says he wants to resign with the team. I don't think it's Eric Halla. Timo Meyer has never explicitly said that he wants to return to the organization. He He's had nothing but good things to say, at least to the media, but he's never said he wants to resign. Right. Jesper Bratt, about a year ago, went on Speak of the Devil's podcast, said he wants to finish what he started at the beginning of the year. He says he wants to stick around. And during his exit interviews, he says he wants to stick around. And it's just a matter of like, Jesper, you got to resign. You got to take the team friendly deal. Because the thing is, Jesper Bratt is picking the right moment to test the waters because his number, his performance was really good. I'm going to give him, I'll give him credit where credit is due because. The Devils re-signed Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes long-term, but this was at around the time before uh, Heischer and Hughes went, you know, super Saiyan and basically had career years. So the Devils made a smart investment, but now Jesper Bratt is probably going to be demanding for more money annually mm-hmm. than Nico Heischer and uh, Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what his, his agent is trying to negotiate with because multiple times uh jesper was like i'm sure my agent will get a deal done i'm just like i don't know how the negotiating process works but why don't you step in like eric eric Halla literally told us before his exit interview that he was actually in fitzgerald's office trying to get a deal done or say hey i want to remain here like let's right. get it done and he was waiting for the phone call from fitzgerald so yeah take that into consideration so my thing for jesper brad is Given how inconsistent he could be at times, because he got off to a great start to the year. Fantastic. But he started to fizzle out in December and January, and it got to a point where people were trying to vote him into the All-Star game. I was like, he would have to rely too much on the advanced analytics to get him in. (laughs) So my thing is, is like, Jesper is worth anywhere, in my eyes, anywhere from $6 million to $7.5 million. Right. Yeah, and he's being paid annually six million. He'd be paid the same amount as Andre Palat, just to give anyone reference. Yeah. So my thing for Jesper Brad is is like, if you're not scoring, if you're not generating the points, what else are you doing? Because he's not doing faceoffs, he's not getting blocks or hits. What else can you do? That's my thing. Good point. So my thing for Jesper Brad is I want him back, but I think Timo Meyer is a bigger priority. And Tom Fitzgerald has said, just because we don't have a first-round draft pick, 
doesn't mean we won't get one. That I was think, an, that was a very just, interesting comment he made. I'm that was very interesting. But I think if they cannot get a reason a deal done with Jesper in a reasonable amount of time, the draft is what in a few weeks. A few weeks. Yep. Okay. And I I believe the season will be over in like a week or two, like mm-hmm. the like the final. Mm-hmm. So my thing is like if they cannot get an agreement done with Jesper in a reasonable amount reasonable amount of time, the only player who will be worth a first round draft pick who is not signed to a long-term deal and who I think the devils would be willing to part ways with is Jesper Bratt. You could, like I said, you could trade or like you said, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm, I'm so used to doing <laughs> okay. this on my show. Um, you could trade away Jesper Bratt to Ottawa and get Alex DeBrincat, who's also a restricted free agent. Also throw in Mackenzie Blackwood, because I think the, I think the senators are looking for a goalie or, you know, you can look at William Nylander in Toronto, Clayton Keller in Arizona. So my thing is, Mitch yeah. Marner, if they move him, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just too saying, they've been speculating, and I'm just pointing way that out. Way too much money. Way too much money. That's true. Too way too much money. Don't get greedy. <laughs> so yeah, my thing is like Jesper. This is a different off season. This is the third time in the last four years in which you do not have a new contract heading into uh, next year, get it done. Take a team-friendly deal. If you want to get paid, go to Arizona. They'll pay you happily. There you go. But if or you or Kansas win, City, wherever they might move. <laughs> Sorry, Dre. I, 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 I go to Arizona State, so it's going to be sad if they're, if they're not there within the next couple of years. But digressing a little bit, um, if you want to win and be a part of something special, sign the team-friendly deal. Yeah, and I think another guy you forgot to mention that also made a comment similar, um, which I think Christy Flannery might have actually uh, written about, was Jonas Siegenthaler said, there was a reason that I only signed a four-year deal and it was as low as it was. Because I believe in this team long-term. I know what's here. I know what we're capable of doing and and winning championships. Um, And I think that that's another comment to say to both Brett and Timo uh, to, hey, you guys want to be here? Then you got to help us out. You got to sign the deal and you got to make it fair for everybody involved. Because if you don't, you're you're putting the devils in a difficult spot where they're not going to be able to, to splash the cash and, and distribute it evenly to everybody where everybody's happy. So yeah, Brett obviously has been frustrating to get a long-term deal done. Um, and uh, all we can do is just count down the days, really. I mean, it's all we can really do. Just see what happens and see how things progress. Now you mentioned Timo Meyer, and so let's let's talk about Timo. Um, obviously, he was the big, you know, get at the trade deadline. You know, the Devils were rumored to get him even back in September and October before the season started. And the Devils, just a couple days before the deadline, were able to get a deal done. It was a lot of players. Uh, I think overall, the Devils got a really good deal to acquire Timo Meyer. And honestly, I think in many ways he did live up to the hype that he had when he got over here. In 21 games with the Devils, 9 goals, 5 assists, 14 points. He also was getting going at the end of the playoffs, at least for the Devils. He started to get going, started to score. um, And obviously you wonder what would have happened if the Devils had continued um, deeper into the playoffs, what he might have been able to contribute from there. Overall this season, including with the San Jose Sharks, 40 goals, 26 assists, for 66 points. He does have a qualifying offer at $10 million. I think there's no chance in hell that the Devils are going to 
um, sign that qualifying offer and the Devils will just do that one year, $10 million with Timo. I think that they are determined to get a deal done. He is one of, if not as Trey mentioned, the top priority for the Devils in this offseason. I'm going to give him an eight-year, an eight-by-eight. I'm going to give him eight years, $8 million AAV. I think he's earned it, and I think uh, he's definitely worth that money. Absolutely. Uh, Timo Meyer, bigger priority than just for Brad because – the thing is, when people look at Timo Meyer, they look at him being like a 40-goal scorer. But the thing is, is, like that was with the Sharks organization. He's with the Devils organization where you got Jack Hughes, you got Nico Heischer, now you even got Jesper Bratt. You, al- excuse me, you already got your three goal scorers. So my thing is like, yeah, Timo Meyer, uh, he is capable of getting those goals. But that's not what we traded him for, in my opinion. We traded for him because we needed a power forward. What was one of the complaints that everyone had for this Devils team? They were too soft. Right. They, were, they, they weren't physical enough. So you get someone like Timo Meyer, someone who's able to assert himself physically, because even though the outcome didn't change, the, the game one performance and the game two performance against the Carolina Hurricanes, completely different, especially in the first period. Because I saw that the Devils were able to create more looks for themselves once Timo Meyer was back into the lineup because he was recovering from injury. And you get people from like, this is so weird. I'm not sure if you saw my tweet or not, but someone released an article saying that Timo Meyer was a disappointment during the playoffs. And Hmm. it was, it was from the athletic and I'm not, I'm not trying to condescend anyone. I'm not, I, I don't consider myself a journalist. I'm a podcaster. uh, First and foremost, I'm a commentator. But if you say that Timo Meyer was a disappointment, personally, I don't think he watched the playoffs because look what he was doing in round one against the New York Rangers. He was creating opportunities for the Devils. He was also asserting himself physically. He was getting those hits and he was getting inside the head of Igor Shosturkin, which mm-hmm. I think threw Shosturkin off his game a little bit. Yeah. So that's my thing, which is like when you're saying that Timo Meyer was a disappointment, I just don't think you really analyze what the Devils needed out of him. Mm-hmm. So I think for Timo Meyer, even if the goal scoring or if the points productions went down, the physicality was still very evident. Yeah. So that's my thing, which is I think Timo Meyer definitely deserves a, a, an extension with the Devils. And I, I would rather have him over Jesper Bratt all day, every day and twice on Sundays. And you said the Devils had to give up a lot. Well, I'll tell you who they didn't have to give up. They didn't have to give up Alexander Holtz, nope. Diego Sharangovich, nope. Shimon Nemetz. Luke Hughes and Dawson Mercer. It's correct. I mean, it's a job well done. Any of those assets, they gave up what Andreas Johnson. That's a that's just a salary dump. Fabian Zetterlin, Nikita Ohotuk, Shakir Mukamadulin, a first round draft pick that they don't need, and uh, I think next year's uh, draft pick as well, conditional, depends right. on the circumstance. But right. um, yeah, so I think the Devils mm-hmm. by and large won that trade, and worst comes to worst. The Devils will can either accept the qualifying offer, maybe it'll go to an arbitration hearing. I don't, I don't know what the case might be. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think Timo Meyer will remain with the Devils organization for at least one more year. And I think an extension will get done. But the thing is, is Timo Meyer has not explicitly said that he wants to remain with the organization, but right. he's not giving anything alarming either because mm-hmm. someone like Mackenzie Blackwood, he says he wants to go where the opportunity is. And I think that's, Blackwood's way of saying he knows the opportunity is not going to be in in New Jersey. 
Right. Well, Dean Peterson, he says that, you know, he's got a lot to assess. Mm -hmm. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but Steverson basically also knows that his time might uh, might be coming to an end with the Devils organization. Right. So, I think with, yep. so yeah, Timo Meyer, he's not saying that he wants to resign, nothing explicit, but at the same time, he, he's not giving anything off that's alarming. And that's a very good point that a lot of Devils fans need to look at that. Well, yes, he didn't say anything about, you know, he wants to be here long term or anything. He didn't say he didn't want to be here long term either. So he I think he's kind of keeping everything kind of under wraps. He just wants to see where things goes. I do think that there's a part of him considering how things went this season and what the possibilities are with the Devils long term. I think he does. There is a part of him that wants to be here, but I think he also wants to be paid Accordingly, and I think the Devils are willing to do that. Fitzgerald has been given the financial um, freedom to do that. He has said that publicly numerous times, and the Devils certainly have the money to do so. It's just a matter of getting it done. And I think, uh, given it, I, I would say, give it another week or two, and I think negotiations will ramp up again. Now that it'll be about a month since the season ended, and we're getting close to the uh, the draft and things like that. So, you know, I, you know, we'll see what happens with both of those two. Major RFAs. Now, there are a couple of other guys that, in one way or another, were valuable to this team at different points during the season. The first guy, Yegor Sharangovich. We were just talking about him, Trey. 13 goals, 17 assists, 30 points this year. Obviously, an RFA, a guy who, you know, to some degree, maybe it took a little bit of a step back um, from the year before, and everybody, you know, looking at him as a guy who could be a top six scoring winger um, at a very low price. Uh, but I, I, de- I still think that he's earned the opportunity to stay here. I think it's fair to give him another one, you know, give him a one year deal, give him another opportunity to kind of prove himself a little bit more as he continues to get more experience in the NHL. I'm going to say, give me, I'm going to go one year, two million dollars uh, for for Sharon Govich, honestly. I agree with you. He deserves another chance. And uh, the, the key for him is, can he thrive without Jack Hughes? That's the that's the big underlying uh, question that I have for Sharon Govich. He brings speed, and he was good on the penalty kill as well. I don't think uh, many teams are going to be uh, asking for him mm-hmm. if the Devils wanted to trade away his rights. Yeah, get sign him to a one-year extension. Just make or break. Mm-hmm. Last chance. He also was pretty good on the penalty kills, including you know scoring shorthanded goals. So that's something that I'm sure the Devils will take into consideration when they go to the negotiating table. Now, a guy that was really valuable without scoring a ton, but certainly stepped up in the playoffs, Michael McLeod. And McLeod has had such an interesting uh, career so far. You know, obviously people have mentioned before who was taken after him in the draft in his draft year, and obviously how long it took him to finally get his first NHL goal, but the great thing about Michael McLeod is that he really found a role in this team on that fourth line center role, and he's done a phenomenal job. He's one of the best face-off guys in the league. He was tremendous during the playoffs in terms of that. Good job being physical. Was really, really successful, um, you know, shorthanded as well. Uh, he had four goals, 22 assists for 26 points, which is pretty good for a fourth liner. Um, and I don't honestly think he's going to be – He's going to cost the Devils a whole lot. I'm going to say give him three years at $1.75 million per year. I think that that's reasonable for him, an uptick a little bit in what he's been making. And I think he's definitely earned the right to be here long term. And even three years is a 
a decent amount of time. I, I don't think the Devils could afford to lose him for what he brings on the faceoff dot, on the penalty kill, and also even to an extent in the physicality department. Yeah, he, uh, Eric Holla, and Nico Heischer were tops on the team in, in the faceoff category. So definitely got to bring back uh, Michael McLeod, just bring that toughness and that physicality on uh, the BMW line. And uh, like I said, I think the big thing for Michael McLeod that surprised me was uh, his contribution on the faceoff. So I agree with you. Bring back Michael McLeod, cheap deal. Don't think many people are going to be uh, asking for him. And keep in mind, and I'm not going to go into great detail about this, but there was that hockey, uh, that Team Canada scandal that that Mm -hmm. made headlines last summer. Right now, it hasn't been talked about since September, so I don't know what the process is like for it. So Mm -hmm. I think that might also scare some teams away. But um, that's something taken into consideration. But like I said, don't really want to talk, touch on it and just bring that into light. But because I'm not a lawyer, I'm, I don't I, I don't know what mm-hmm. the circumstance is. But I think Michael McLeod definitely can uh, provide a lot for New Jersey Devils and uh, does a lot in the faceoff category. So Michael McLeod, definitely, definitely a huge X factor for the Devils. Now, the next guy at one point in his career was the Devils' top prospect, if you can actually believe this at one point, and that is Jesper Boquist. Now, here's the thing about Boquist, and I've talked about him before. The best thing that happened to him was he got called up late in the previous year, 21-22. He found a role on the team and stuck with it, and then he started to generate success. Fast forward to this year, same thing. He found a role on this team on that third line. At one time, he was having a lot of success playing with Timo Meyer on the third line, and he started to make contributions. Now, in the playoffs, he didn't really do much of anything, but he definitely does bring some speed and a little bit of scoring prowess and a guy who could definitely help us on the bottom six. Uh, he had 10 goals, 11 assists, 21 points. I think for him, another guy that could be given just another year to try to show himself to again establish a role in this team. And I don't think it'll cost very much. So I'm going to go one year at $1 million for uh, for Boquist. He's inconsistent. And I was actually present for one of his uh, big games of the year in which he scored two goals against the Arizona Coyotes. I think for Jesper Boquist is that, and we've seen this throughout his career, Sometimes he's not there. Sometimes you forget he's on the rank. And sometimes he goes on like this huge uh, spurt of offense, whatever the case might be. So the thing that Jesper Boquist needs to work on is being a little bit more consistent if he wants to truly provide for the bomb six. But you know what? What the hell? Give him another chance. Cheap right, deal. Cheap, cheap yeah. deal. Again, cheap deal. Doesn't right. hurt you. And I think the Devils can benefit a lot in the end. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned this guy before, and he has established himself as a big X factor on this team, even playing on the bottom six, and that's Nate Bastion, who really, at times, when he wasn't playing, remember, he got hurt at one point during the year. It was amazing how much the Devils missed him and what he provides to the team physically and energy-wise. I mean, he's a guy that has really, really found a home and found a role in New Jersey. He had six goals, nine assists for 15 points. He had a couple little contributions during the postseason, including in the second round. For me, I think he's definitely a guy that you have to keep. And I think he's earned a right to be here for a couple of years. I'm going to give him a two-year deal at $1.5 million. I think that's fair for him. Um, And he's a guy that, obviously, as long as his best friend, 
Michael McLeod is still on the team. I'm sure he wants to be here too. And we have to remember that Nate Bastion was heartbroken when he was drafted by the Kraken in the expansion draft. He was really sad that he had to leave the Devils. And then obviously he got put on waivers. And the second the Devils got an opportunity to bring him back, they did. And he has been so happy that he's come back and been a part of this team. So I really, really want to keep Nate Bastion for the physicality, for the energy that he brings. You know, one of the three parts of the BMW line, probably it's only going to be B&M next year. But I want to keep Bastion, and I think he's earned the right to have a multi-year contract at a pretty low AAV. Yeah, so Nathan Bastion, we knew what he could provide for the team, especially on the bottom six of that BMW line. Uh, he, he He's someone I like to describe as a as a goal goblin. He likes to hang in front of the net, get those redirects, and obviously not afraid to get his hands dirty. And the, the, the thing that Christy Flannery loves to preach about is the overall depth for the New Jersey Devils, and depth is essential. So getting these big-name players is important and all, but don't forget your depth pieces. And I think the Devils learned that lesson when Nathan Bastion went down a couple times throughout the course of the year. So mm-hmm. Nathan Bastion, I think he definitely – has found his role. He's found his niche on this team. And um, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I was disappointed when the Seattle Kraken did end up selecting um, uh, Nathan Bastion. If I was Tom Fitzgerald, I would have honestly protected Nathan Bastion and left Michael McLeod exposed because I think there was another player. Because I was like, Nathan Bastion was up there in hits for New Jersey Devils, and I was afraid mm-hmm. that the Seattle Kraken would notice that. And Nathan Bastion was actually tops amongst rookies for hits so right. I was like, the Seattle Kraken might notice that expose Michael McLeod because I don't think he would draw too much attention and then you know what it's been it's been a, it's been like over a year I I forget who I who I would have <laughs> left exposed because you and I discussed this uh, a long right. time ago but and I had good reason why I would do so and so but mm-hmm. ultimately it didn't happen that way my worst fear was realized Nathan Bastion <laughs> was selected in the expansion draft but one man's trash is another man's treasure. Came up clutch when it mattered most. And Nathan Bastion is definitely a guy who needs to stick around with this roster because he brings a depth and he loves to do the dirty work, loves to get those redirects. And I think the Devils can uh, definitely utilize his skill set going forward. No doubt about it. So we're down to the final two RFAs. Next one, Kevin Ball, who was acquired a couple of years ago in the Taylor Hall trade. A big body, six foot eight, I believe six foot eight. Yeah, six foot eight defenseman who, when he said early on in his career that he was an offensive defenseman, I, for the life of me, I could not understand that. I thought he was just pulling my, you know, pulling people's legs when he said that. But I got to give credit where credit is due. Kevin Ball came into the season and amped up his game in many ways. Offensively, I thought he actually got better. Defensively, I think he got better. When he played with a guy like Damon Severson, like you mentioned in the playoffs, he really, really, I thought, had a lot of success. He started to get more physical using his big body. And I think he's a guy that the Devils would really love to have to kind of keep a little bit of that height and that strength and physicality on the back end. I'm going to say give him two years at uh, $1.125 million. I think that's fair for him considering what he brings to the team. Um, and he's a guy I definitely want to want to keep around, um, you know, moving forward. Okay. So Kevin Ball was 14th on the team in blocks with 38. He was 11th on the team in hits with 64. Uh, his defensive point shares, he ranked 13th on the team, 1.4. But here's the thing. He only appeared in 42 games. 
Mm-hmm. So he appeared just over a little half of those games. And also keep in mind, he was a seventh defenseman for a good chunk of the year. Mm-hmm. It was basically a revolving door. Sometimes he would play, sometimes he would be scratched. And it was basically a revolving door between him and right. Brendan Smith. And at the beginning of the year, he was a bit of a of a of a liability. He he did cost the devils a lot of turnovers. But mm. the one thing that uh Jersey Joe preaches about is Sasquatches. And and I think for Kevin Ball, the fact that he is able to just climb the ranks a little bit in the devils in terms of hits, blocks, defensive point shares. And do it at 42 games because if you look at who's ahead of them, you know, right. look at look at the blocks category. Ryan Gray has appeared in 78 games. Siegenthaler, 80. Severson, 81. Dougie Hamilton, 82. Marino, 64. You would have to go and look at someone like Andre Palat, who's ahead of Kevin Ball and has appeared in the second least amount of games at 49. Right. So that's my that's my thing, which is if you were to adjust those stats a little bit and and Kevin Ball play anywhere from 75 to 82 games, I think he would have been higher up in the ranks in some of those categories. So factor mm-hmm. that in. Kevin Ball definitely needs to return to the team, and he should be one of the reasons why Ryan Gray's and Damon Searson are being shown out the door because if you give him that bigger opportunity, I think we can see definitely some more potential untapped for Kevin Ball. I think if he gets more games, like you mentioned, I think you're going to see him continue to grow and get a lot better, and obviously – at a cheaper rate than what Ryan Graves would cost you or even a guy like Damon Severson. And I think that that sort of be a win-win. So now we come to the final RFA and it's a guy that has been a topic of discussion for quite he's some done. time. He's done. He's done. I can tell you firsthand. He's and done. Trey has verbatim said this on our group chat. I've heard him talk about it a lot, but we'll make this relatively quick. We talk about Mackenzie Blackwood, 10, six and two this season with a 3.20 goals against average and a .893 save percentage. The only goalie on the team that had less than a 900 save percentage. Um, He had one good game. Well, that's a little disrespectful. The game that stands out to me, and he didn't win the game, but the game that really impressed me and again showed what Blackwood could become if he was consistent and not hurt was the loss against the Bruins late in the season where he really, really played well, surprising everybody, including myself. There were talks even during these playoffs that, oh, is Blackwood going to start game five? There was no way that Blackwood was going to see a game unless two people got hurt. It just wasn't going to happen. And he knew that. And like you mentioned, Trey, Blackwood said it best. He wants to go where the opportunity is. He knows the opportunity isn't here. Despite everyone saying that the Devils still have a goalie problem, whatever that means, um, he just the 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 time is now. The time is now to move on from him. Um, would I like to see the Devils trade him and maybe get something for him? Sure. Do I think it's possible? Probably not. But you never know. Some team, like you mentioned, Ottawa, could be looking. For a guy like that and a, a reclamation project, a guy that if he's in the right situation and he's healthy and, and playing consistently, you know, might be able to get some of that form back. But I think overall with Blackwood, I think it's very fair to say that his time in New Jersey is done. Yeah, so I've actually spoken with McKenzie, sim- similar to a lot of the other players, and I asked him, like, what were some of his goals? And he says his goals are more internal, like his goals, like he – he feels like he's never reached his true potential, and that's true. He he's never re- he's never really exceeded expectations. He's either 
met them or fallen below them. And the thing is, you don't want to meet expectations. You want to exceed them. Right. And that's the problem with Mackenzie Blackwood, which is his goals are to like just try to exceed those expectations and reach his full potential. But he, ha- when Ryan asked him, Ryan Ovazinski, our buddy, asked him like, hey, um, you know, like, do you want to return to the team or whatever the case might be? He's like, it would be hard for me to leave the team. I, I love these guys, but I'll go where the opportunity is. I can tell you firsthand, and like you said, it's not going to happen here, especially with how well Akira Schmid played during the course of the, the series against the New York Rangers. Um, So yeah, um, Mackenzie Blackwood, I think his final game as a New Jersey devil was April 13th against Washington Capitals in which he let up like what? Four goals on 13 shots. Devils ended up winning that game after they subbed him out. Akira Schmid comes in, doesn't allow any goals. Devils win an OT thanks to Luke Hughes. So yeah, Mackenzie Blackwood, I think that was the final nail in the coffin for him in his career um, as a part of the Devils. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it was unfortunate considering all the circumstances and the potential that he showed at times earlier in his career. But at the end of the day, it just it's not going to happen. And if and if he goes somewhere else and revives his career and plays really well, great. Just like with Zaka, I will say the same thing. It just wasn't going to happen in New Jersey. And I think you have to accept that. Every team goes through these type of situations where a guy may leave and go somewhere else and be really good. And he just needed to change his scenery. Maybe that's what Blackwood needs. But in terms of staying here in New Jersey, I, I don't see a path for him being here considering the two guys we have, you know, Vitek and Schmid, um, young guys that we have in our system like Nico Dawes, Jakob Malik, uh, just – you know, in different guys like that. So, you know, I, I think that Blackwood's time in New Jersey is officially over. So on that note, that is our look at the Devils UFAs and RFAs. Obviously, guys, let us know what you think of any of these guys. If you agree, disagree, what are your thoughts on them? And uh, Trey, man, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. It was great to get you back on. It's been a long time, long time coming, but Before I let you go, because I do this with all my guests, I like to roll out the red carpet and allow you to promote anything you got going on, the podcast, broadcasting, and all that different stuff, man. So the floor is yours, my friend. You can find Locked on Devils wherever you get your podcast from, Spotify, Apple, Audible, wherever the case might be. You can also check out Locked on Devils on YouTube. Subscribe. It's free and uh, helps me out a lot. And you can also find some of my work over at Pucks and Pitchforks. Uh, that is the site that covers the New Jersey Devils for fan sided. So check that out. But other than that, Neil, it's been a pleasure to come on once again. And uh, thank you. Th- thank you for inviting me on. And we, we discussed everything from restricted to unrestricted free agents and what the offseason might look like for the Devils. And it's going to be a very interesting offseason for our New Jersey Devils. And we will continue to have a lot of coverage, not just here on Devil's State of Mind, but also on Locked On Devils as well. But Trey, again, man, thank you so much. And we will definitely have you on the podcast again, my friend. Thank you, Neil.